What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the 25 and 56 Indiana Pacers in the fifth last place in the NBA right now with just one game to go. It's time for game 82. Alex, it couldn't come quick enough. We're uh, we're crawling across the finish line this season, aren't we? I mean, everyone, it's, uh, it's funny, the team, I'll, people that cover yeah, the team, podcasts, the writers, everyone. It's funny because I was looking back at our first episodes the other day, and four or three years ago, I should say, on our second episode, all three of us conclusively said this team would never tank. We all said this franchise would never tank. And here we are three years later rooting for our team to lose every game. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? We've, we've never been in this position, but, you know, uh, it, it's a chance to, you know, we've been begging for the Pacers to pick a direction. It's a chance to get young and to get a really good play in the draft. So honestly, yes, the losses stink and the way we've been playing is bad, but I think Pacers fans should, should have some hope for the future at least. And in a year where there's no consensus number one pick as well with like multiple, you know, four or five guys who defensively could get that number one pick, you only have to fall into that top four, which we'll talk about in a second to get a chance at, you know, whoever's left over and whoever's left over out of the top four or five could be a superstar. I think Justin, it's, it's kind of, you know, if you, it's a bad year to have the worst record in the league because there's no real advantage to that, but it's not a bad year to have one of the bottom five or six records. Yeah, I do agree with that. And you mentioned, Alex, we said paces would never tank and now we're kind of cheering with it. It's a great point, but the normal paces would have, you know, come 11th this year and just missed out in the mm-hmm. playing tournament or come 10th and lost you know, to Brooklyn in the playing series and all us Pacer fans would be going, oh, Sabonis had a great year, average 25, 12 and 7, but what was the point in that? And then we're picking 13th again. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, Adam, we, we got a top single-digit draft pick first time in like 30-odd years or whatever. So um, it is exciting to be a Pacer fan in a sense, but in another sense, this has probably been the longest season I've ever witnessed. Yeah, I think... Um... Hats off to Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle and the ownership for signing off on going all in for next season for like a retool over the next couple of years because we we just never thought this would happen. And it has. And we've given ourselves an opportunity to get a good young player. Halliburton's on a rookie deal. Our rookie will be on a rookie deal and potentially more than one rookie will be on a rookie deal because... You know, we can package some picks, move up in the draft, do a few different things if we want to. And when you're talking about having multiple guys under the age of like 23 to make up your young core, I just, it's what we've been asking for for the last two and a half, three years that we've been doing this podcast. And it's, it's great to see what hasn't been great to see the last 10 games. Um, it's been tough to watch. Um, we've been cheering for losses and cheering when other teams win. And this comes to this last day of the season. So the equation is this. If Oklahoma City win and the Pacers lose, the Pacers get into a coin flip for the fourth best lottery odds. If they win that coin flip, then... They go into fourth and their lottery odds significantly improve for a top three pick. So 
I mean, it's it's not too far to say that this would be franchise altering if we got into the top four, because as we discussed last episode, fifth gives you you know a forty percent chance at a top four pick, um, but the overwhelming chance is that you pick five, six, or seven because you get leapfrogged by at least one, if not two or three teams. So getting those top four odds and getting, you know, a better than 50% chance to pick in that top four is potentially huge, Alex. And I can't see Oklahoma City winning. You know, I can definitely see us losing to Brooklyn, but it's it's going to be tough. Uh, but I'm the world's biggest OKC fan tomorrow. <laughs> I think all the pace nation is, but yeah, look, <laughs> the lineups that they're running out there, is some of the most shameless tanking I have seen in a long time. I mean, they did it last year as well. And uh, they got rewarded with Josh Giddy, the, the, the young Aussie king. But yeah, this year, I mean, they, they ran six plays in their last game and Roby, who was starting, played like 13 minutes. So they essentially played the entire five guys the game. Like that was it. So look, I, I do not expect them to win. Even if the Clippers rest some guys, the chances are pretty high. The paces are going to be picking. Uh, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say picking, but they're going to have that fifth best uh, lottery odds. Which is still not a bad result. I mean, you know, I think we we can't understate that we assumed that we were going to pick like 13th this season like we did last season and that the team were going to continue to, you know, try to get up to that 10th, 11th, 12th seed, give themselves a, 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 themselves a chance of making the play-in. But they haven't done it, to their credit. They've, they've gone with youth. We've played Philadelphia twice in the last two games. We've lost twice. Uh, the last game we gave up, you know, 40 and 20 to Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate. Um, and, you know, I think it's good to see TJ McConnell back. Uh, it's good to see him getting a couple of games in and being uh, healthy to end the season because he's another one that's missed such a significant portion of the season along with Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner and TJ Warren. So, you know, a key part of the, rotation the last couple of seasons has been TJ McConnell. So it's been good to have him back. He started in the last game. Uh, that was an interesting choice, but I feel like uh, Rick Carlisle is kind of trotting out any lineup he possibly can at the moment. And we also learned that Dwayne Washington and Terry Taylor had their contracts guaranteed for next season. And Justin, I think it's a credit to the Pacers organization that they were able to find you know, two guys that were young, that have played well in the minutes that they've had, the opportunity that they've had. And, you know, we rewarded them with deals for next year. And you could do worse than to have those guys locked in under contract with, you know, both of those guys quite young. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Dwayne Washington's kind of like a CJ Miles type, I feel like he's either hot or he's not. Um, The games where he's hot, you ride him, you know, he could hit seven threes and then, you know, he might go through a two or three game span where he can't he can't hit one. But um yeah, obviously congratulations to both of them. It's pretty pretty cool. They're both in the NBA. And it shows, yeah, I think NBA wide, just not paces wide, that there's so many skilled players in the world. Like people just need an opportunity. Like there's so many players who definitely this time of the season, they get court time and random people putting up like 20 points, 15 boards. And it's like, who are these guys? But it just shows you there's so much skill level. Um, and so much opportunity that once you get it, you know, and get get plays called for you, that people can succeed. And, um, yeah, Terry Taylor and Dwayne Washington are, you know, signed on, so that, that's great for them. But, um, yeah, I've 
I, I just think the what what do you guys feel about the last the last home game of the season against Philly? I felt like they played well, but I don't know. I don't want to harp on it too much, but Jesus, Alex and Adam, that the defense needs a lot of work, even when our starters come back next year. I mean, I think you you can't underestimate the absence of Miles Turner. You just can't. I mean, yeah. you know, we our front court rotation over the last month of the season has been Isaiah Jackson, Terry Taylor, O'Shea Brissett, Jalen Smith, a little bit of Gogo Batase, and that's kind of it. So, you know, none of those guys is known as a great defender. And I just don't think we ever really gave ourselves a chance to be a good defensive team in the post. I mean, Alex, we've given up 40 to Joel twice in two games now, but that's surely no surprise with the players that we were, you know, trotting out. I mean, you know, he, he's been guarded by 6'5", Terry Taylor for most of the game, so I can't really expect anything else. But, uh, yeah, I think, Justin, you're right. I mean, the defense has been a problem. Really, the... I mean, all season it's been bad, but the second miles went out, it dropped off so badly. Post All Star break, it's been terrible every game. Um, and and again, Miles Turner is going to be a band aid for that. If he's back next season, he'll cover up a lot of the issues at the rim. But that's for me at least. When I'm looking at the Cavs pick, I'm looking at the Rockets pick, even our top five pick, I'm looking at the best defenders in the class, right? Like we need defense, we need wings as well, like. We have maybe one power forward on the roster, and that's Jalen Smith. He might not even be here next season. I mean, O'Shea is a three slash four. So we really don't have any true power forwards going into next season. And yep. then you look at the small forward position. Who do we have? TJ Warren, he's a free agent. And then no one else really. So they really need to address the uh, the wing position a lot, I think. Definitely. I think, um, you know, there was a rumor that went around with Mark Stein talking about the Pacers looking to get off Malcolm Brogdon's contract. He's got, I think three years left after this one at a bit over 63, 64 million. And, you know, I think um, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you can't have Tyrese Halliburton, TJ McConnell, um, potentially Lance Stevenson, if we keep him around uh, and Malcolm Brogdon on this team, because, you're probably going to look to draft, as you said, Alex, a wing. You want Tyrese Halliburton to be a, your starting point guard for the next 10 years. And you don't need to pay Malcolm Brogdon $60 million for the next three seasons because he's 27, 28 years old. He is going to want to chase a championship and, and a contending team. And we won't be that for at least one year, if not two years. Rick Carlisle had an interview during the week where he was talking about Luka Doncic and how the Mavs, it took two seasons for that team to develop with Luca, And then by the third season, they were the contender. So it sounded to me like a guy that was conceding the fact that with Halliburton and with this draft pick, if it was you know, a potential superstar, that at least one, if not two seasons would be spent getting this team together and preparing it for a run um, and conceding the fact that next year with a top five pick, and Halliburton at, you know, only 21 years of age, you, you're not going to be competing for anything. So you get off a veteran that's costing you over $20 million a year. You have to. And I think the paces can be creative. I mean, Justin, I know it's something that they'd never do, but if you can get two unprotected first round picks from the Lakers to take on Westbrook's last year at $47 million, and you have to throw in a, a Brogdon, you have to throw in a healed, 
in order to do that. Two guys that are 28 years old. I mean, two unprotected picks and $47 million in cap space. That's that's not a bad thing to do, surely. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, well, when you look at the cap space, I mean, that is just insane thinking Westbrook's $47 million. Exactly. It's just absolutely insane. But um, yeah, look, it's an option. And I know it's been floated, I think, by Zach Lowe mentioned on his podcast that the Pacers and Lakers could be rumoured to do that deal. I don't think it's awful, but like you mentioned, Adam, I don't think the Pacers would do it because... It's just not the way they'll operate, getting Westbrook and then waving him. And I feel like there's so much flexibility with Brogdon and the Pacers have. I don't think that's the path they're going to go down. Um, I you have will to try say, and get a though, pick, though. You have to try and get a pick. Exactly right. But you've also got to think, I know Lakers were awful this year, but what kind of draft picks are you getting from the Lakers? They, they're generally they're going to rebuild and get good players around LeBron and fire Frank Vogel for no reason. Um and I don't think they're going to be very good draft picks. That's what you got to think of as well. I don't think the Lakers are going to be, you know, your 10th, 11th, 12th seed again in the next few years. That would be getting. Um, would, you do, so I don't... would you do two first Westbrook and Vogel? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to Vogel. be our, our offensive or our, our defensive coach back the other way. Like you, you, you get Rick Carlisle running your offense, you get Frank, Frank Vogel running your defense, you could do a hell of a lot worse. That, that's my dream scenario. I've, I've tweeted it a few times. I'd love Vogel back on the staff. I feel like that was my, out of the 20 or so years I've been a Pacer fan, those were some of my favourite years with Vogel and obviously Dan Burke, but I'd love Vogel back in Indiana in some capacity. Obviously not as, he wouldn't be a head coach, but could he be senior or something with Rick Carlisle? I think it'd be awesome. And I just want to mention a few quick things. You mentioned Brogdon, Adam, and it's funny because we had the chatter and you were like, why, why is Brogdon coming back? this late in this season. And now it's it's obvious, I reckon, they were trying to sell to teams he's healthy, he can play, because then they've just pulled him. He, he started games, he actually played quite well, scoring, you know, 20, 30 points some games, and then they've pulled him for the last six or seven. So yeah. for me, I think there is a 0% chance that Brogdon's on the paces next year. I feel like all they were doing this last 10, 15 games was very calculated to show teams he's over his injury. And... Lastly, I just want to touch on as well with, with Carlisle. Uh, I know, Adam, you would have watched the interview and probably so is you, Alex. I loved him backing backing up saying he's going to be the Pacers coach long-term. So there was the rumours saying, you know, oh, he's not going to be in it for a rebuild. He got asked about it, Adam, and he said, I'm here for the long haul. What Wasn't that great to hear? Loved it. I mean, Alex, it, it just fills you with confidence for the direction of this team because you knew that Rick Carlisle had to sign off on every single move that the Pacers made up until this point. So the fact that he's come out and not only backed the team, but also said, this is my future. This is where I'm going to be over the next three seasons. 
sell, tells you that he knows not only that this isn't going to be a quick fix, but that he is prepared for that process and wants to be involved in that process. That's kind of all you can ask for from a superstar coach that's won a title. Well, he was also, I think, the first person in the organization to call it a rebuild. Everyone yeah. else has been super hesitant to use that term. I think Tyrese on ESPN said it was a soft rebuild. That's what KP has been saying. Uh, so, so Rick, I mean, it, it's, I guess it's a, you know, it's not that big of a deal, right? It's just a word. But I think that the fact that he said that is big. And also the Pacers need some continuity, right? Like three head coaches in three seasons. And I tweeted this as well. Halliburton's had three coaches in two seasons. So he and the Pacers both need some consistency uh, in that sense. So, yeah, look, I, I thought it was great. And, again, like, yes, it's been a bad year. I've seen some tweets about Rick Carlisle's coaching. Uh, I, I don't really take much stock in it. I think next year he'll be much better. Okay. Draft lottery is in about a month. Who do we send to the draft lottery? Justin, I'll start with you. Jeez, <laughs> you're throwing that at me real quick. Um uh, I mean, why not? Uh, they wouldn't do it, but I'd love Reggie Miller. Like, why not? I don't know if he'd do it. Why not send yeah. the goat there? Pacers are never in this position. Imagine if we land number one pick and Reggie Reggie gets it for us. How cool would that be? Well, it, they did Nancy Leonard last year, which I think was a lovely touch with Slick yeah. passing away in 2021. I think that was the absolutely the right move. Um, oh, I know who it would be, actually. But yeah, anyway. You okay, go. no, go, please. Uh, it, it'll be David Benner, surely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great call. That's a great, yeah. great call. I think, you know, I think they always tend to go for the karma play, um, yeah. as as Dan Gilbert did famously with his son wearing the bow ties and winning back-to-back uh, draft lotteries. And you know, there's there's something to be said for pleasing the basketball gods. And David Bennett's, you know, how many years has he been in the Pacers organization? It was great to see Reggie back to to farewell him in style. That was possibly the moment of the season in what's been a terrible season for the Pacers overall. But yeah, sending David Bennett, I think, would be uh, that's a fantastic call. Justin, hats off, Alex. Who who would you send if you didn't send David Bennett? I was going to send the uh, the corpse of Bowser. Send him <laughs> down there, boys. Free him. Where is he? <laughs> yes. Bring him out well, of retirement just for the draft. Well. More importantly, we got to do our predictions. We probably could do this on a later episode, but where do you think we are going to slot in? What pick are we getting? Well, we can't get fourth if we've got the fifth best odds. So I, I think we jump up and we, we pick third. That's, Love it. That's my, that's my view. Alex? Alex? Um, listen, anytime I say anything optimistic, it doesn't come true. So we're going to get the ninth pick, boys. <laughs> Wait. Justin? Uh, I reckon we'll go... I reckon I'm going to agree with you, Adam. I reckon we're going to go third. We'll be so excited that we'll jump into the top three and then that first envelope in the top three is going to be the Pacers logo. And and you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I will yeah. absolutely take a top three pick in this draft. If we can jump into the top three, regardless of where we are, that is the very best case scenario for the Pacers. Obviously, number one is is the very best case scenario, but just the top three is such a coveted position and not one that we've felt and not one that we've had the opportunity to be a part of. 
I think the ability to be able to, you know, select one of the best young players in the world is underrated. Um, and it, it's just a great deal of hope that we haven't had. I mean, I think the, the ability for us to now go to Tyrese Halliburton and a great young player. It's what we asked for 12 months ago when, you know, and you've, I keep forgetting about Crystal Duarte. He's been shut down for the season. Like he, between Halliburton, Duarte, Jackson, Brissett, Washington, Taylor, the picks that we've got coming in, we've got a core of seven or eight guys that are under the age of like 23, 24 years old. That's, that's what you want as you know, an NBA team. And you pair that with some older guys that have some cool heads on them and know what they're doing and know how to teach these guys how to be professional. And I think that's the key for me. You got to get at least one or two veterans to get in there, set the tone and show these guys how to prepare, how to practice, how to be professional, how to live and breathe NBA basketball at the highest level. And I think if you achieve that, then you'll be you'll be fine. You you were setting up your team for a deep, deep run in just a couple of years' time. Um, and I keep going on about it, but rookie contracts allow you to do things with the salary cap that you can't normally do because you're getting such a great outcome from such a small investment. So I think you know the futures, Alex. It's it's super bright. Yeah, it is, and I mean. When, I'm trying to think. When was the last time, if ever, we had four picks in one draft? Oh. Uh, I know we, I know we took four rookies this year, but two of them were undrafted. So I, I really don't know. And and you look at that Rockets pick; it's essentially a first rounder, right? Yeah. So it's be 31, we, we 32 overall. We basically have three first round picks, picks which are you guys can correct me, but I don't think that's ever happened in franchise history. So. Uh, no, as, as long as the Rockets don't win tomorrow or don't win their last game, then it'll be the 31st pick yeah. in the draft. Like we yeah. are quite literally looking at, you know, five, 15 and 31. You, you can't ask well, for a better haul than that at this point. I, I tell you what, guys, if there's a basketball God, the Pacers should get number one pick because Houston <laughs> tank every second year. Orlando, I mean, they're bottom five for the last 20 years. Detroit just got number one pick. Okay, see tank nonstop. You know, Portland are nonstop tanking. Sacramento, like, if there is a basketball god, the Pacers should get the number one pick. They, by God, deserve it. I'll tell you that. Who are you guys taking? Who are you guys taking if we get the number one? Because it's not consensus, so. Oh, my God. That is a tough, not Chet. Let's just make that really clear. Not we didn't get any feedback. We didn't get any feedback on our episode, did we? No, I think I think everyone was pretty on board with the fact that we should never draft Chet. I think I think that was a positive. I think everyone appreciated us saying it out loud. I mean, look, I think um, I'm looking across mock drafts, and it's uh, Chet, Ivy, Jabari, and Paolo um, are the the consensus top four, I guess. Chet is just out for me. So I think if you walk away from this draft with any of Paolo, Jabari, or Jaden Ivey, um, but probably more the first two because they are bigger players, because they will complement Tyrese Halliburton better, I think you've won. I think if you can walk away with Paolo or with Jabari, you've probably done okay. Alex? 
it's, it's tough for me because I love Paolo's game and he was fantastic during the tournament, but his weaknesses are also the Pacers' weaknesses, right? He's not great defensively. So, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a nitpicking thing, but to me, I, I would take Jabari. I think he's more versatile defender. And, I mean, the guy's like basically seven foot who shoots from the logo. So, I would, I would go with Jabari Smith. What about you well, guys? I, I just did a tankathon very quickly. We got the third pick and we took Paolo. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, I, I'd probably I'm, be... I'd tend towards you, Alex, as well. Um, do they get shifty? Do they trade back the number one pick? They no. Want to no. <laughs> no. Hey, it's the paces, mate. We could be getting cash considerations coming in or something. <laughs> Unless... Unless it is a Orlando and Golden State 1992 draft trade where you trade one for two and you get like two unprotected first back in future drafts. Faults for Tatum. Faults for Tatum. Yeah, faults for, yeah. for Tatum and a first. Like that That was another great trade. Unless you are fleecing the Kings or a team that's going <laughs> to suck for the next couple of years, then no, you, you, just, you just pick the best player that you, you've seen. You you absolutely picked the best player you've seen. I just I would um you know Atlanta traded back for Trey Young and missed out on Luka Doncic. We've seen this go wrong before. Um, Portland didn't pick Michael Jordan because they had Clyde Drexler. Pick the best player regard of for any position, any player that you possibly can. Tyrese Halliburton is going to fit with whoever you pick in that top. Four minus Chet, I think it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a crazy last twenty four hours. Let's hope that we get a coin flip. We will be with you across the whole postseason and off season for the Pacers. It's been the Paceros. Thanks so much for listening.